And this is why no-code no tool and low-code tool are very popular because they allow people to create something without uh, the struggle of the coding. It's something meaningful, uh, also just useful, because uh, we need to think about that innovation is not just something that is disruptive, that is very big, that is going to change the world, etc. Innovation can be also very little, uh, a little help for some people, for some community. Once upon a time, there were millions of businesses struggling. Every day they wasted time, effort and money on repetitive tasks that added no value one day the better automation podcast by processio came to help them find a way because of this these businesses save time reduce costs innovate and make better decisions because of that these businesses grow scale and use human creativity to change this world Hello, my name is Aziz and I'm your host at Better Automation Podcast by Processio, where I interview the world's top experts and share their very best ideas on how to improve automation in your businesses, processes and life. My guest today is Fabio Franchino. Fabio is a CTO, a technologist, an entrepreneur who is highly interested in data and in automation. Fabio is the founder of Presenta and the co-founder and CTO of Todo Media Design. With more than 15 years of computational design experience and extensive knowledge in software development, Fabio leads digital product teams from a vantage point at the crossroads of design and coding. Presenta is the automation platform for data-driven presentational assets. Fabio, how are you today? Oh, fine. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. You introduced myself uh, perfectly. Thank you. It's my honor. It's my privilege. And to ask you, you know, I'm speaking about Presenta specifically, that automation would have a big role when it comes to presentations. Yes, uh, yeah, I think I'm, I'm very interested in everything that is uh, related to automation because it's a way to, to save time to people. So this is why I'm very interested. And of course, computers are very good at uh, repeating uh, boring stuff. So for this reason, uh, um, I built Presenta Firstly, to help myself in doing presentational uh, document, because as a teacher, I create many, many um, documents for, for my lessons. Uh, so at some point, I, I didn't want to, to spend my time creating presentational document for my students, because I had to create a lot of documents. So I started to, to think about a, a way and a tool that helped me to save time. And the presenter started as a little tool to create uh, uh, slides, basically, out of uh, text. So you wrote text and you get uh, presentational uh, slides uh, with one, cl one click, basically. But then uh, presenter evolved a little bit and uh, now it's a, it's a platform actually that can uh, automate uh, not only presentation of document, but also 
any kind of uh, presentational assets. That means uh, everything that you need to uh, create for your communication purpose, for example, images, uh, GIF, uh, PDF, uh, etc. Uh, all this stuff can be created starting from a bunch of data. So this is why in the, in the home page of Presenta, uh, we speak about uh, data-driven presentational assets because we start with the data, with the information, then we generate uh, according to some rules and templates, of course. Thank you. And even before we dive deeper into this topic, what do you think are the most important skills in the future that cannot be automated? Someone who wants to be part of the future of, your, of work today, what do you think are the few abilities or skills that they should work on developing because they cannot be automated so that they will have a value, a job, or an ability to be a creative founder in the future? This is a very, very good question. Also, it's something that uh, I, I use such questions with my students. Uh, I try to test them because they are young, of course, and they, they will have uh, some, will have their future and they need to, to know what they are going to, to become uh, next. And uh, we are living in a interesting period of time uh, where automation, computer and artificial intelligence can uh, from one side help us saving time. On the other side, uh, in some way steal our job to some, to some extent. So we need to find uh, our place, we need to find uh, our role and I think that uh, we we don't have to see all these technologies as uh, in the negative way, in a way that they can steal our job, they can steal our purpose. We, we, we need to exploit all this technology. So I think that uh, uh, an interesting skill that uh, our technologists, but also designers, uh, creatives in the future are curiosity, be curious about everything because the curiosity can connect all the dots and this is something that the computer is not able to do. So a main skill for the future is about uh, having a solid creativity in order to invent something, in order, in order to connect the different dots and uh, create innovation. So I know that is not easy to do because it's not something that you can learn by reading a book, but I think that we, we need to think that way. Thank you. And it's so interesting that you mentioned curiosity, creativity, and innovation. There are people who make it too complicated, who believe that innovation is about creating something that never existed before. Well, there are some people who believe innovation is simply when you're so curious about so many domains, you can combine ideas from different places in a way they were not combined before, and that is innovation. So to you, what is the definition of innovation? How can people train innovation? And how does innovation in technology happen these days? 
Yeah, I think that uh, yeah, innovation is can happen in many different ways, but maybe uh, the, the easiest way is to uh, put together different people and work on something. I think that uh, it's very it's possible that uh, one person can innovate, can be so smart to create something new out of the out of out of nothing, but. I think that is much more uh, easier and common to create something meaningful, uh, also just useful. Because uh, we 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 need to think about that innovation uh, is not just something that is disruptive, that is very big, that is going to change the world, etc. Innovation can be also very little, uh, a little help for some people, for some community. So I think that we need to think about uh, working with people can create something meaningful. And even if it's a very little thing, uh, but if it's useful, it worth the work and uh, it's innovation. So uh, an advice is about uh, care, care about people, think about that uh, you need to work with other people. and. Uh, that means also learn about uh, communicating with other people, understanding other people, empathy, etc. All these skills uh, help you to, to work uh, with other people. And uh, when interesting people work together, something positive usually uh, come up. Thank you. That's really, really interesting. And it makes me think about something you wrote about yourself that you lead teams at the crossroads of coding and design can you explain that what's the problem currently with uh, communication or the relationship between coding and design and what is your contribution or perspective that will make it better yeah i think that uh, uh, from a historical point of view um, the technical side and the humanist side are always uh, in contradiction and they are always seen as a two different uh, sides of the same uh, coin. So historically, it, it in, usually in companies where there are people that, uh, are, that have skills, in technical skills, and other people that are humanist skills, uh, usually they are they have a hard time to collaborate together and communicate together. My personal experience is, 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 is interesting because I, I studied design, but then I became software engineering. Uh, and of course, over, over the time, over the, the years, all these two disciplines get mixed together. And uh, so I'm very lucky to have a kind of uh, double perspective in the same time. So I can see a project from a user need perspective, but at the same time also from a technical and constrained perspective. And these help me to work in a team that is mixed, made by technicians, at the same time designers that care about user experience, user needs, etc. And uh, having these two different points of view helped me to talk with two different skills uh, naturally. So, but uh, I understand that is not a common 
path. Many people just study specific uh, uh, matters that are maybe technical or humanist way. But uh, I think that uh, we, we can learn very easily nowadays, thanks to the internet, etc., and all the resources that are out there. And I think that, again, connecting with the curiosity skill, uh, try to learn something that is very different from your perspective, from your main uh, skill. Try sometimes to go outside your comfort zone. And uh, so I think that this is a good way to learn something new and having a different perspective. Uh, when you learn different perspective, you, you can understand better the other people. So again, I'm citing again what I said before, working with people, try to work well with people is very key. It's key to create something meaningful, it's key to create innovation. Thank you. And since you mentioned your students and you teaching them, etc., there is a push or an idea that self-learning or learning on your own is what is valuable now that uh, formal educational institutions and such are useless they're archaic they teach things that are out of date very fast or already when they're teaching them they're already out of touch with reality. What's your perspective on this? What kind of education is right to develop that curiosity? Um, are there some educational experiences that we use to take as standard that now aren't useful or don't serve humanity anymore? What's your thought? Very, very interesting question. Uh, also because I care a lot about this, this stuff. Uh, I think I do think that uh, institutional uh, institutional uh, structure about uh, teaching are are still very very useful because uh, self learning is very hard it's very difficult uh, it's very difficult to understand uh, the correct path you need you need a guide you need uh, someone that uh, guide you in the proper path but at the same time you can learn something new by your own easily so try to exploit this situation follow uh, an institutional path but at the same time try to go outside your comfort zone and learn something new because everything that you can learn is part of a bigger picture and is going to help you in some way. Maybe it's difficult to, f to, to, to know why you need this kind of uh, uh, matter, but uh, after the years and after the experience, you, you, you will recognize that, uh, okay, I learned this thing years ago and now it's going to be useful. That's, that's amazing. Just to, to, to con contextualize uh, my, my teaching activity, I, I teach specifically uh, coding for non-coders, non-technical people, usually designers. So this is my, my, main, uh, my main expertise. And uh, for, for that specific reason, I want to teach a technical matter to creative people. Because when you see the two things together, you can see very, very beautiful things. 
Thank you. And therefore, I will ask you a question that some people or a lot of people wonder about in the no-code community, which is the thought of the citizen developer. Some people say that no-code tools are so powerful now, you need zero technical knowledge. You can just build things by dragging and dropping and using what is presented to you. While others say, actually, that's not enough. You need an understanding of the architecture of software, of databases, of more technical things. If you know how to code, you can save yourself so much time compared to going fully vi uh, visually developing things. Do you agree with this? How do you see it? Do, do you believe that someday code might become more extinct than only for the people who are building the software that will be the visual development platform and everybody else doesn't need it? Or uh, does it teach you a way of thinking that will be useful forever? Oh, uh, okay. Um, in, in general, learning a language is a good thing. And I, I used the, the word language because, because coding is a, is a language. It's a very, very simple language at the end if you compare it with uh, the proper language that we all know. So no matter what, what is going to happen in the future, learning something, learning a new language, even a coding language, is a good thing. Regarding your question, of course, uh, um, I think that uh, rightly the technology is going to um, reduce the, the the friction to to access to to powerful tool. Uh, of course, coding is is if you don't know how to code, you cannot do anything with the code. And this is why no no code tool and low code tool are very are, are very popular because they allow people to create something without uh, the struggle of the coding. But I do think that. Uh, some project can be done using no-code tool without even some technical expertise. For example, if you need to create a website, it's totally okay to create to use it to use a no-code platform to create a website. And I, I, I'm very happy about it because uh, uh, thankfully now many many websites are created by people that are not technical. Uh, people that are uh, designers, uh, marketers, uh, etc. Because we need the technical people working other stuff, more complex stuff, more technical stuff, okay? So um, I think that uh, it's, it's okay that uh, no-code tools uh, are there and allow non-technical people to create uh, something that uh, is not... Uh, that doesn't require a technical expertise. Of course, if you need to architect a complex system, if you have a drag and drop application, you need to know what you are going to do, dragging and dropping elements together in order to create a complex system. If you are going to create a, a software to control, I don't know, the, the automation of a, of a train, even if you are going to use a drag and drop snippets, you need to know what you are going to do. Otherwise, bad things can happen. So you need to have 
expertise, technical expertise and domain expertise. So my, my answer is pretty much in the middle. I, I like all these tools that arise, that allow non-technical people to create something that can be created by non-technical, but at the same time, if you need some ex technical expertise, you need to, to have it. Otherwise, the drag and drop is not going to save you. Thank you. And can we speak about data? In data visualization or understanding, there is this notion that garbage in, garbage out. If you have something that is garbage, you won't really make better decisions. So when people are building their data collection systems, how should they go about deciding which data is valuable, what biases or problems can arise with data, and why is data visualization a better approach than using, I don't know, an Excel sheet or whatever people could be using instead? Yeah, yeah, I think that uh, this is a tricky question because uh, understanding the, the, the important part that uh, are inside a data corpus is difficult and uh, usually require some scientific uh, skills. So you need to be usually, usually this is the task of data scientists. Data scientists are, are able to understand the data corpus and try to extract only the meaningful part by applying some mathematical function, uh, etc. Of course, this can be simplified. Again, some tools can provide you some choice and you just pick uh, the right one that, uh, that is for you. Uh, but again, if you want to make, if you want to have something meaningful, maybe you need to have some understanding and some skills. Uh, regarding the, the data visualization, of course, this is, uh, is related to, to, to the fact that uh, uh, we, are, we have a kind of a special power as a human being. Uh, our sight is able to see something and there is this uh, magic that happens. We are able to decode what we see in under some few milliseconds. So it's a very efficient tool that we can exploit. And data visualization exploits basically this tool this speed of the coding. So this is why we are very, we are, we are very fast to understand a little bar chart and understand what's going on in this corpus of data instead of just relying on a huge table full of numbers because our brain is able to decode in under milliseconds what happened in that situation. So. Of course, data visualization exploits this capability, basically. Uh, so it's, it's not just about, okay, it's better a picture than a, than a table. It's about uh, exploiting a capability as a human being that we have. Thank you. And I know you spend a lot of time helping people with internal process optimization. How, what's the perspective or the mindset or the way of seeing processes that most people have that is wrong and how are agile and innovative uh, approaches and principles to uh, process optimization a better way 
Can you explain it? Maybe somebody would like to understand the reason why you're following both agile as well as innovative approaches in internal process optimization. And what is the way that people go about it usually that is different to what you do? Yeah, this is another topic I'm interested in and is connected with the fact that you need to deal with people in order to make something meaningful. Uh, optimize the pro internal process, it's, a, it's about uh, making people work nicely together in order to achieve the same goal. Agile in this context is a very, very interesting principle that is about uh, in simple terms, it's very simple, very, very easy to grasp. Agile is about uh, uh, making the right confrontation between all the stakeholders, be uh, honest about everything. Even if there is something wrong, or, or even if you make a mistake, be honest, because uh, uh, the, the, the final goal is about making the right thing. So if you make a mistake, just be honest about it. Let's fix it and move on. So this is, this is agile from my perspective. Talk with people, with stakeholders, honestly, and uh, having a single common goal. So that's, that's agile. Of course, it looks simple, but the reality is that uh, human communication is, is pretty hard. It's pretty difficult because we are human beings we are different, we have different characteristics, we have uh, emotion, we have different feeling, we have a bad day, a good day, etc. So it's very, very difficult to, to deal with people. It's for, for, for everybody. So in simple terms, it looks easy. In the reality, requ requires a lot of work and a lot of patience. Thank you so much. This was so instructive and very well said. And if people would like to follow you to learn about the projects you're involved in with right now, can you share more about Presenta, about uh, the, uh, um, the Todo design, all that, so that people can understand as well as websites or social media to go to? And I'll write some of them in the episode description. Yeah, I, I'm quite uh, active uh, on Twitter, so the, the best way to, to talk uh, is on Twitter from my point of view. The, my handle is Fabio Franchino, and uh, the website of Presenta is, is uh, presenta.cc, double C, and, uh, and while the, the Todo website is todo.to.it. Uh, so these are the 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 handle to to reach me and what I do usually, but I think that Twitter is the the best way to to see my progress and my curiosity. I try to publish what what I find uh, somewhere that uh, that is that is nice that is that is worth to sharing. So this is the best way to to follow me. Thank you so much, of course, and for all the listeners and viewers interested in automation, I highly recommend Processio, which makes this podcast possible. 
Processio is the modern low-code, no-code platform for advanced automation and creating an enterprise-grade backend for your software. Any listener or viewer can request access to a totally functional free account at processio.app. And for those with higher business needs, there is a very generous, exclusive 50% discount code. It's better 50 off, one word in capital letters. More information in the episode description. Thank you, Fabio. This was my privilege, my honor, a truly wonderful episode. And I wish you to keep going and sharing your knowledge and wisdom and work. Thank you again. Thank you, Aziz. It was a pleasure.